Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Happy Independence Day, America. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Harry Douglas. We are filling in for the guys celebrating this July 4th holiday with you. You can join the conversation on the call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So, Harry, we got a bit of a cryptic tweet from Jeannie Buss, the owner of the Los Angeles Lakers. And I'm hoping you can help me decipher a bit what this means. So let me go ahead and set this up for you. Jeannie Buss tweeted out, I miss KB, obviously a reference there to Kobe Bryant. He would understand and explain everything that I'm not allowed to. Honestly, he was the greatest Laker ever. He understood team over self meaning your rewards would come if you valued team goals over your own, then everything would fall into place. All can reply. What does it mean? Because to me, when I'm reading between the lines, all I'm hearing is LeBron in my head, that this is some sort of reference or shot at LeBron. See, I I don't think so. Because when I think about LeBron and I think about his career, I've never viewed LeBron as being a selfish player. Um, on the court, off the court, I just haven't viewed LeBron in that light. When I read this, it says more to Russell Westbrook to me because Russell Westbrook is a guy who did not have the year that he wanted to have. He's also a guy who didn't take accountability for not being the player that the Lakers thought they were getting. He's also a guy who uh, we've seen throw Frank Vogel under the bus in the media, um, especially when Frank was already, was, was already gone and already let go. And he didn't even have to take that route. Also, Russell Westbrook got to understand that if a coach wants him to come off the bench, if you're doing what's best for the team, then you come off the bench. Russell Westbrook, all, all this message says to me is Russell Westbrook. I, I, I don't think it's, it's a message for LeBron. I really think it's Russell Westbrook because when you look at his career, right, I don't think Russ has won a playoff game since he left uh, Kevin Durant or Kevin Durant left him. Uh, and that's something to be said for. And you look at his career, you look at all the triple-doubles or whatnot, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't really care too much about the triple-doubles because all I care about is winning. Are you winning? Are you able to do it in winning fashion and putting your team in a position to be successful and, and contend uh, to possibly or have a chance to be in the playoffs and win an uh, NBA championship? And the question for me and the answer for me is no. Russell Westbrook didn't do that. When you looked at him and – you talk about expectations of being a Laker. Everyone knows when you go to the Lakers organization, there are expectations. For someone not to know that, as Russ said in an in a, in a interview at some point, is bizarre and crazy to me. Because the moment you go to that organization and the moment you put that uniform on, yes, there are expectations. Expectations, and what are those expectations? Win a NBA championship. That's the only expectation. It's not make the playoffs. It's win a NBA championship. Not make the NBA finals. Win a NBA championship. And for Russ to come out in the media and say, hell, he didn't have any expectations was, was crazy to me. And I think his selfishness has been displayed on numerous of occasions, not just with the Los Angeles Lakers, but you look back into the days when he was playing at OKC and he was going just jacking up shots when you've seen series against like the Warriors and stuff like that instead of just deferring a little bit to Kevin Durant. That's when you see that individuality and can Russ come out of that 
that that individual shell and be more of a team guy? Those are the question marks, and that's the exactly who I think Jeannie Buss is talking about. Well, I know that the conversation surrounding Russell Westbrook ends up taking up the majority of the time, and it's because of that forty-seven million dollars. It's because of the ugly contract. And the Lakers, frankly, should have seen that coming when they took on that ugly contract. But in terms of what she could be referring to, the reason I don't think it's Russ, even though there are the concerns of what what you mentioned, and sure, like you could be talking about the play on the court, I guess. And a lot of people consider Russell Westbrook more of a selfish player in that regard, more of a ball hog in that regard. But I'm reading this to mean something more to this NBA offseason because of the timing of this tweet from Jeannie Buss. And Russell Westbrook... Westbrook has already opted in, right? And we all knew he was going to opt in. I mean, I guess this could mm-hmm. be some sort of vague, you know, veiled reference to him opting it, like as if he should have left 47 on the table. I mean, come <laughs> on. Like that would be pure lunacy for Genie Bus to expect him to yeah. opt out, leave 47 million on the table. He wouldn't get anywhere near that right now on a free market. Like that would just be insane. And none of us would do it if we were in Russell Westbrook's position. So sure, it could be, I guess, a slight reference to that. What I think it's a reference to is LeBron because although Russell Westbrook the Russell Westbrook conversation takes up all the time Harry Douglas no one seems to be talking about the fact that LeBron James is about to be eligible to sign an extension and seems like he ain't going to and by the way if he committed to signing that extension that he could start signing on August 4th which it seems pretty darn clear he's not going to at least as of now then the Lakers would have a lot more flexibility as well in continuing to try to right this ship moving forward and so the fact that he's not giving them that commitment I think that this is a reference to that also you don't compare Russell West in any conversation to Kobe Bryant on that team there's only one guy who you might put in the same conversation as Kobe Bryant and that is of course the greatness of LeBron James right and so she's kind of referencing Kobe and that Kobe's the greatest Laker even though you could certainly make the argument that LeBron James I mean I I know I don't want anybody to you know come after me here and (laughs) I, I you know but like you could make the argument that he that he's the better player right LeBron James I mean we're talking about a generational player obviously Kobe Bryant was as well but we're talking about LeBron James where people argue he's the greatest to ever 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 do it and so I think that that reference where she's hearkening back to another generational great another one of the greatest to ever do it is more of a reference to the other guy who's on the team who's one of the greatest to ever do it and that ain't Russell Westbrook that's LeBron James and that seems like a reference to me about what's happening here with maybe LeBron not committing to signing an extension with the Lakers coming up, which frankly I think is not nearly as big of a story right now as it should be. But but my thing is is that how are you going to get upset about that when he's already come out and said that he wants an opportunity to play with his son who is his flesh and blood? He wants an opportunity to play with his son, and I don't think a father-son in NBA history has ever played together on the same team. That's so, just him hyping up his son. I mean, it's great. I mean, but, he probably but, does but, want but, to stay with his, but still, play with his but, son, but we're but a couple we, years But we don't know because it, if, if I'm still playing the league, I would want to play with my son, especially if right. it's never been done. But so you saying can't it fall. now when the kid's just, in high school and we don't know, like, he's a, you know, kind of a top 50. Like, wait. It, there's a lot that has to fall into place for Bronny to get drafted and then also end up in the same place 
but that one of those dominoes is, is, Le, is LeBron being able to be free and make the decision to be able to travel and play with his son if it's possible. That's one of the dominoes that has to play that plays a major factor in that. If he's locked into the Los Angeles Lakers, it's not a necessary a guarantee that he's going to be able to play with his son. So that's one of the dominoes that has to play uh, plays a major factor in that decision, though. Yeah, maybe extend it for the two years and then after that, you know, try to end up where Bronny ends up. John is in the Bronx. John, what do you got on the Los Angeles Lakers situation? Hey, what's going on, guys? I, I don't like Harry blaming Westbrook for the problems when AD missed 90% of the game. I didn't game blame Westbrook and- for the problems. I didn't blame him for the problems. He was one of the problems. Yeah. We're talking about... Yeah, Go ahead. I'm listening. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, yeah, he was 17-6-6 and last year on a bad season. That's, that's millions of dollars in the NBA. That's not their biggest problem. LeBron averaging 30 and wanting to play with his son, he wasn't worried about winning. It's, they got bigger problems than just Westbrook, way bigger. I don't think it's just he's the main top three problem. There's other things going on. And I actually, I actually agree with John here, Harry. But he, Russell Westbrook Anthony is Davis one is of the, the problems. Problem. No, yeah, a, AD, is, problem, AD is a point, huge problem. It's yes, his availability. But, but that's John the biggest can't, problem. But, but John Period. can't come over here saying that I'm blaming Russ for all the problems. But that's, what I, that's not what I'm doing. So the, the, the words that he used are wrong. I'm not sitting here blaming Russell Westbrook for all of the problems that the Lakers had. Just some of, of course, the problems. Yeah, he's, he, and, and was he not some of the problems that the Lakers had? Yes or he no? Is, he's some of okay. the problems, but then I will say this. Point. I think that, they, that, we, that the narrative piles on Westbrook because of the contract. I think if, if Westbrook wasn't being paid $47 million this upcoming season or whatever that opt-in was, then it would be a very different conversation because Russ's numbers actually weren't that terrible. And he was actually pretty good for them down the stretch there when they were trying to make the postseason. He wasn't the reason down the stretch they didn't make the postseason. I understand before but that, did he play yes, to the there's capabilities a, there could be some blame there. For, did he play to the standards to, did he play to Los Angeles Lakers standards? I think he played to where he's at. Like, I do think at this point, like, he showed up and played. And I do think, particularly, again, down the stretch of the regular season, that Russell Westbrook played to the level that Russell Westbrook can still play. Because I do so think that him. he ain't the same player. If that's that all you're going to get was. from him. But, that, but it's not all you're going to get. The problem with it is the contract. The problem with it isn't his play because he's still a good player. Like, he's still a viable asset. Yeah, he's not bad. But, I'm but not saying he's, he's not 47 he's poo-poo. million. And that's the problem is that we're always comparing him to this insane contract that the Lakers didn't hand him, but the Lakers shouldn't have taken it on. And it's hamstringing everything else, but that's a front office problem and, and a pseudo LeBron GM problem because we know LeBron has had a lot of control there. But we'll see what this genie bus. Uh, tweet is a veiled reference for uh, it's very interesting the timing of this tweet of course also coming down between uh, NBA free agency off season I mean KD Kyrie there's all of these conversations and then the Westbrook opt-in as well even though they're still trying to shop him there's all these potential things that that could come down the pipe for the Los Angeles Lakers again including that LeBron James is eligible to sign an extension on August 4th and we haven't gotten much word on that so we will continue to unpack all things NBA 
NBA offseason. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas filling in for the guys here on this July 4th on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio. You can give us a shout at 888-729-3776. That is 888-SAY-ESPN. But right now, we have former Nets guard Kerry Kittles joining us. So, Kerry, first of all, happy July 4th. Thanks for taking time away from your barbecue or your holiday, whatever you got going on. I want to start with Kevin Durant because it's all the talk right now, this Kevin Durant sweepstakes. Mark J. Spears has this crazy idea that Kevin Durant could go back to the Golden State Warriors. What do you make of that, Kerry? <clears throat> Thanks for having me, guys, and happy holidays as well. Uh, happy 4th. Um, yeah, you know, I, I find it interesting that there's talk of, of Kevin Durant going back to Golden State. Obviously, um, that core group, you know, when you talk about Steph, Clay, and Draymond, you know, having to overcome the adversity of the last few years and win a championship without KD, it's interesting now that there's talk of him going back because they don't really need him. They have they have their core still intact, and they have some young surrounding talent, you know, in Poole and Wiggins in particular, that really helped them get to that next level and win. So I don't see the urgency in that from the Golden State perspective, but I can understand the Nets pursuing those those valuable assets from Golden State. Now, I, I have to ask you, if KD does go back to Golden State, what would that do for his legacy? His legacy is already cemented. I, I, I look at what he's accomplished as an elite scorer for, for a decade now plus. Um, you know, finals MVP, carrying a team. He, he's done it all. So, I mean, his legacy going back there, it won't do anything to his legacy whatsoever. Other than him just going back to his comfort zone, realizing that, hey, if you're in a franchise where you're the centerpiece and you're the focal point of building culture, winning championships, going to the fight deep into the playoffs, he can't. He has proven that he hasn't been able to do that on his own. So, yeah, for his legacy, going back to your comfort zone, to an organization, a franchise that can do it without you. I'm with you, Carrie. I think his legacy, frankly, is is already solidified. I think maybe we make too much of that. He's already got the championships and everything else to go along with it. Everybody already considers him one of the very greatest players uh, to play in this generation. Kerry Kittles, former Nets guard, joining us. But we know he is going to be on the move because he requested a trade. So he's not staying yeah. with your Nets. Where would you like to see him play next season, if you could choose, if it was up to you? <clears throat> oh, if it was up to me? That's an interesting question. <laughs> I mean, there's obviously the Miami talks for him and Butler uh, possibly teaming up. They don't have enough assets, I don't think, unless they're going to overhaul their entire team just to get them. But, I mean, the Phoenix Suns talk was interesting because it's like, okay, they don't want to give up Booker. They're on the cusp, right, of, of really challenging to come out the West, and they just been, haven't been able to do it. Could you see him potentially partnering up with Chris Paul and some younger talent and the Suns parting ways with Booker, even though they just gave him this, this new extension. Um, that to me would be interesting to see if, if, if that were to happen. But I mean, gosh, he's still a top five player in the NBA, if not top three. Um, and, and he's got a contract with, with good value and him being able to, to meet that value in his play because he's still elite. So I mean, him in Phoenix, in, in Phoenix with those younger pieces around him and potentially with Chris Paul, um, that would be fun to watch. When you look at the Brooklyn Nets, I want to know, how surprised were you uh, by the way things shake, shook up with uh, Kyrie Irving? 
not surprised at all. Not surprised at all. I mean, I, I was definitely surprised to see him take that firm stance with the vaccine throughout the season and to leave his team kind of in limbo. But I'm not surprised to see this action taking place this summer with the team. And, and, and obviously with Sean Marks saying since the end of the season, culture matters here in Brooklyn. We need to develop a, a culture here that where we have all members of the team on the same page. And that's something that he stressed since the season ended. And now you're seeing that in the in this negotiations point right now where he's he's held holding firm in that saying, yes, Kyrie, we'd love to have you be a part of this organization. But what we've seen thus far, what does not work for us in us guaranteeing you a long long term deal without contingencies in place. Carrie Kittles, former Nets guard, joining <laughs> us. So KD requests the trade uh, to your point, not wanting to commit to Kyrie long-term, it feels like Kyrie is going to get traded as well. Do the Nets, in your opinion, should they just blow the whole thing up or should they be looking in these trades to get immediate assets that can help them start to try to win right now? Is it more like, hey, let's build through the draft and stockpile draft pits and just blow it all up, maybe get rid of Ben Simmons as well? Or do you think that they should try to revamp? Because obviously they've got the assets to kind of go where they want uh, with Katie and Kyrie. Uh, show me an owner of any company or any organization that's super patient and want to wait around for things to, to happen in, you know, five, five, six years down the line. No, I think when you have those two tradable assets, um, and I'm sure they're getting a lot of phone calls right now, you pursue all options. And, and there's no reason why you can't get back some really talented players that are in their prime, you know, maybe a Damian Lillard type of player, something like that. Yes, you pursue those types of options, and those guys are out there, and, and, and maybe, you, maybe you do it in two years and not five or six years. Um, and, and so we'll see what the market bears for those guys. They, they don't, there's no rush, right? The Nets don't have to make a deal before the season starts. You mean you have until February. So take your time. Make sure you do it the right way. But I think that was prudent on their part to make sure that that culture is important when you're trying to build a winning franchise. In a winning organization, you need to do that. And if those guys, albeit, you know, your your superstars aren't aligned with that goal in mind, then you have to part ways and, and figure out the best path forward. So right now, I know K- KD is still with the Brooklyn Nets, but right now as things stand, who are your top three teams in the Western Conference right now? The top three teams in the Western Conference? Yeah, in, uh, in your eyes. I mean, it's, the way it stands right now, in, in my mind, is still Golden State, Phoenix, and, and the young Memphis team. That that That's, to me, are, are, are the top three teams. Could Denver get back into the mix with Murray comes back and play and, uh, and Porter? Yes, they can They can possibly get in there. But right now, it's, it's definitely uh, Phoenix, Golden State, and Memphis. Well, it might look very different after a KD trade. Kerry Kittles, former Nets guard. Thanks so much, Kerry, for stopping by on your July 4th. Uh, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You can call into the show, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Roy is in San Antonio. Roy, happy July 4th. What you got for us on KD? Hey, same to you guys. Hey, listen, KD's expensive. These guys are going to have to make some major changes on their payroll just to get him over there. And it's just crazy. Why I can't believe he did what he did when Kyrie said, okay, sign 
contract. I'm like, man, really? This is some serious drama. KD should, I think he should go to a team that got the cash salary cap for him, so he don't have to be able, so, excuse me, so he don't have to adjust what he wants to make. Because if you ask me, this kind of selfish. And these guys need to stop that and, be, and become more of a team player than a high player. You know, Ooh, I, I, I can't. That's a consider, lot to unpack right there because I, I don't think he was selfish these, at all. Well, and I can't consider a guy selfish for, frankly, going after money uh, or even wanting to win, right? Like these guys want to get paid. I, you know, for a time, Kyrie was trying to get more money out of Brooklyn and more commitment. That's him wanting the extension. They weren't willing to go down that path for him. He ends up opting in because any of us would have opted in uh, to the money that was waiting for him if he did so. It would be unrealistic, frankly, Correct. to expect him not to. <laughs> and that's it. like this idea that he was going to go take $6 million from the Lakers, you know, and opt out. Like it was just absolute lunacy and leave 30 million on the table. Come on. None of us would have done that. He wasn't going to do that either. KD signed that contract. I think when he signed a year ago, fully expecting that it would all fall into place. Things look very different. Things look different for a multitude of reasons. And nobody could have, of course, predicted how this past season would have gone with the vaccine mandate and everything else that surrounded Kyrie. So I don't really blame KD for wanting to reset at this point. I don't know if selfish is is what I would tag either of those guys with at this point. I mean, maybe Kyrie, we could have that conversation, but I, I don't feel like that about Kevin Durant right now. Nah, me either. When you look at Kevin Durant this past year, uh, when he was out there, he put that team on his back and did everything he could for that team. A year before mm-hmm. when they lost to Milwaukee, he put the team on his back that year. When Kyrie got hurt in the playoffs out and James Harden won. Exactly. So for him wanting to go somewhere else and reset because of how everything has in, uh, unfolded, I don't think that's selfish at all. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I just can't uh, I can't see it where it is right now with how poorly it's gone. I think that there's a lot of us that would probably, if it went really poorly for us, uh, our jobs for a few years, I think there's a lot of us that would probably be maybe, you know, looking for another one. If we had that kind of power and could do it for the same amount of money. Coming up next, why a super conference might be the next step in college football, but that is after Harry has this word from Dollar Shave Club. If Harry has the word. I mean, he'll have it it's eventually. It's July 4th. He'll have the word. At some point here, Harry's going to tell it. you about a really close it. shave. The panic so in your you eyes while it. you were looking for that was amazing. There's so I, much panic. I have it now. <laughs> oh. You ever have a goes. shave here, hold on, so hold on, hold on. Let me try this smooth. again. Hold on. Uh, uh, rewind. <laughs> and now, Harry has a word from Dollar Shave Club. You ever have a shave so noticeably smooth that people want to touch it? Mmm, like when a friendly pat on your cheek turns into a full, full cheek rub. It's the kind of shave that the Dollar Shave Club Six Blade Razor can get you. The Dollar Shave Club Six Blade Razor brings noticeably smooth shaves with six stainless steel blades for swift hair removal and lubricating strip that keeps things smooth. The Dollar Shave Club Six Blade Razor is here to get the chin notice, and it comes at a fair price. Dollar Shave Club razors are sold at dollarshaveclub.com or in stores. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? 
You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. They are not done. It is a changing landscape in the world of college sports, and it is changing rapidly. This is Keyshawn, J. Whale, and Max on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas filling in for the guys, and you heard it there on that rejoin. USC and UCLA, two of the Pac-12's most flagship programs, They were notified Thursday that their application to join the Big Ten was unanimously accepted. That means the schools will begin play in conference in the Big Ten in 2024 to unpack what is happening in the world of college sports. We bring in Heather Dinich, ESPN College Football Insider, joining us. And Heather, with this move from USC and UCLA, we already know that Texas and Oklahoma are headed to to the SEC in 2025, so some major shakeups. Which one's bigger? Is it the USC-UCLA to the Big Ten, or is it Texas-Oklahoma to the SEC? I think that's a difficult question, but to me it's USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, and I say that because I think the ramifications will be greater. When Oklahoma and Texas said they were going to the SEC, I mean, that is, that's significant. It's huge. They're the Big 12 co-founders, for crying out loud. And they made the SEC the first 16-team super conference in the Power of Five. But what happened after that was the Big 12 pieced it together with some teams from the American Athletic Conference and BYU. In this scenario, we are looking at potentially some of the biggest names in college athletics making moves. I mean, Notre Dame has to be the team that's next under consideration. I said the other day, it's like Monopoly with with Boardwalk and Park Place, right? Everybody wants these blue spots now, and and how much are people willing to pay for that? And Notre Dame is certainly still left on the board. And then, you know, what do Washington and Oregon do in the Pac-12? Does the SEC go after teams like Florida State? Miami and and does it get political what does Florida athletic director Scott Strickland have to say about that so certainly everyone I spoke to said this is not over but I think the difference here is that we're talking about much bigger names in terms of the next dominoes to fall. Heather USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten when you look at the landscape of college football is this good or bad? 
Look, I, I think that the initial knee-jerk reaction is this is not good because it further separates the haves from the have-nots and the rich get richer, right? But I think the larger impact here and the realistic impact is it lends further credence to discussions about football operating under its own umbrella and everyone else continuing to operate under the NCAA. I mean, look, at the end of the day, when Notre Dame and USC play football on a fall Saturday, that's still great football. I don't care what conference they're in. That's a rivalry. That's a tradition. And that's college football at its finest, right? And I think that product isn't going to change for college football fans. What changes is what happens to the Arizonas of the world. Cal, those are phenomenal academic institutions with great Olympic sports. What happens to all of these other schools? Um, To me, that's the question. But, you know, I I spoke to Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith actually earlier this past week before this news broke about the idea of football operating under the college football playoff and all the other Olympic sports continuing to operate under the NCAA and running those championships. And he said he's spoken to athletic directors across the country about this. So that is something that people are talking about. That's why, to me, that seems more realistic than some 32-team, whatever it might be, semi-pro, you know, nfl light type idea that's been kind of floated out there hypothetically. Heather Dinich, ESPN College Football Insider, joining us. Yeah, Heather, this extends beyond college football. I feel like we always think of these things in terms of football. Football, you know, once a week, uh, the travel schedules might be easier to manage. But when you're talking about the Pac-12, you were talking about these schools being west of Denver, and I think they probably thought they had a geographical advantage there. Obviously, UCLA and USC decided they don't care if they have to travel. But what does this mean for these other sports? these other student athletes that maybe have to play a whole lot more often now and have to take commercial flights, you know, out East and be out there for weeks. How is that part of this conversation and consideration uh, with these teams moving conferences? So, yes, it has to be. And from what I understand, those teams were assured by the big 10 that they would do everything they could to help make that work. What does that mean? I'm not entirely sure, to be honest with you. But when you're talking about the difference between L.A. and Piscataway, New Jersey, I mean, how do you say that with a straight face when you're talking about some of these teams flying across the country to play? Talk about body clock. I mean, my goodness. So it'll be interesting to see how that works, how that's financed, how much it costs, and the toll it takes on academics. Heather, did the Big 12 and the Pac-12 miss an opportunity when Texas and Oklahoma said that they were going to go to the SEC in 2025? Did they miss an opportunity to to join forces and create something uh, that we know probably won't be created now and be as as, as valuable as it would have been if they would have did it when they got the news from Texas and Oklahoma? I spoke with a source in the Big 12 earlier this week who said that exact same thing. Basically, we're lucky that the Pac-12 didn't rate us when they haven't had an opportunity to right after Oklahoma and Texas left. And so now there's a sense from leaders within the Big 12 that they're in a stronger position. And, and I spoke to multiple sources who said we have to be aggressive. We have to, we have to play offense here. And... You know, I spoke to a, a high-ranking university official in, in the Pac-12 who said the same thing. This is 
deja vu all over again, as they say. I mean, it's, it's like having the same conversations with people that I did when OU in Texas left. And, you know, people are telling me that everything is on the table. So there's still a consideration that the Pac-12 and Big 12 could join forces. But then where does it stop, right? That's the question. And no one in any conference I've spoken to knows the end game. And by that, I mean, are we talking about 18 teams, 20 teams, 16 teams? Where, where is everybody trying to go? People don't know the answer to that. And you also have to keep in mind TV money involved. So the Big Ten has its TV deal first, and then the Pac-12, and then the Big 12. And so by the time it gets beyond the Big Ten, is there enough money to go around if there is a 20 or a 22-team lead to share amongst all of those schools? Some people I've talked to said yes. Other people said nobody's going to want to share that. So those are all very real questions that have yet to be answered. Not to mention the complications with the current grant of rights to some of these television deals and how prohibitive that might be if, you know, you're talking moving ACC teams and whatnot. So a ton to still unpack. Uh, Forever changing right now, Heather, the landscape of college sports. Heather Dinich, ESPN College Football Insider. Thanks for joining us, Heather. Happy Fourth of July, guys. Yes, happy Fourth of July. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas filling in for the guys on this Fourth of July. Coming up next, we will continue to get you ready for your 4th of July barbecue. Plus, there's still more to the Kevin Durant conversation. This is ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. We have been on air since 6 a.m. Eastern. And since 6 a.m. Eastern, Harry Douglas has been wanting to bring up what's on the drink menu today. Because we have been talking a lot about what's on the food menu today at the barbecue for July 4th. We haven't gotten enough into drinks for Harry Douglas. Our producer, Pat Costello, had said, hey, Harry, it's like 8 in the morning, bro. We can't, we're not bringing up the alcohol yet. Harry was like, yo, there's never not a good time to bring up the alcohol. So, Harry... Give us crazy. the alcohol take for today. What is on the menu? What is the liquor du jour for July 4th? Okay, uh, for me, I'm going to start off with a little wine, and then that wine is going to transition to uh, some tequila. Now, am I a big drinker? No, I'm not a big drinker anymore. Like, I hardly, really, I hardly ever drink anymore because it dehydrates my throat and 
messes up my vocal cords and stuff. But if I don't do it too much and I'm not yelling, I'll be fine. So today I'm going to have me some red wine, some duck horn Merlot, and then I'm going to drink me some tequila that I have right here to my left. Now, Amber, if you was to drink today, I'm not saying you are, but if you were to. Oh, your girl, your girl's gonna have a, a drink or two. Don't you worry. What, what, uh, what are you gonna drink though? I well, so here's the thing. I'll probably drink white wine mm-hmm. because I'm gonna be hanging out with people later. And again, like July Fourth to me is like a <laughs> beer type of holiday. I tend to not like beer's okay. I just I. I tend to opt for wine over beer. So like white wine to me feels more summery somehow. So I'll probably do the white wine thing, even though I, I do love a nice glass of red. Uh, don't count me out of that. I don't know about the liquor. Like if I'm a, I'm not a huge liquor kind of girl. I'm a, I'm a dirty martini with Tito straight up kind of girl. Well, that's very dirty of you. Kinda, that's very <laughs> dirty of me. Like that is my go-to drink. It just doesn't seem like July 4th to me. Pat, what are you drinking today? I got some very special uh, hard iced teas that I uh, I purchased. Throw a hard iced tea is a good one. Yeah, throw some of those like on hard ice, seltzer, hard iced tea. Yeah. yeah, those are appropriate summer July Fourth drinks. Yeah, does what it have you liquor got? in it? By the way, yeah, they perfectly yeah, wash they down liquor. hot dogs and hamburgers. That's why they're hard, right. Harry oh Douglas. Gosh, That's the hard and hard lemonade. Yates, what are you drinking? I got some uh, some tequila. All types. Oh, of that's my all types. Hold on, you can't have all dog. types of tequila. Like, there's got to be. If, if they got the uh, the the termana, I'm gonna grab that. The Casamigos, I'm gonna grab that. Y'all got 30 seconds as well. But you know, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for giving us the count on air. I appreciate a little behind <laughs> the curtain action here on July 4th. Tequila, I'm good with tequila though. Like I, I now I'm not just drinking it on the rocks. I'm you know, I'll, but I'll take a, a nice Patron shot. See, Every I'm straight once in a rocks. while, Harry I don't, Douglas. I don't mix anything. I don't. I don't mix alcohol at all. You're hardcore. I'm not a yeah. huge margarita person, but okay. I do like tequila mixed into other drinks. Anyways, happy July Fourth, everybody. Drink responsibly out there. This is how we do it. This is how oh, we no, do no, it no, on no, Keyshawn, no, no. Jay Will. Sang it, Harry Douglas and Max <laughs> here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. There's still a lot to unpack when we are having the Kevin Durant discussion because there are 29 teams that should be interested in acquiring Kevin Durant, Harry Douglas. We have gotten to a lot of them on today's show. If you miss anything on KJM, you can check out the podcast on the ESPN app. But there's a couple teams that we still haven't gotten to get to, and so let's go ahead and do that here. What about the Philadelphia 76ers, Harry. Here would be another case of the rich getting richer, right? But you could actually make this deal work. In order to do it, you would, of course, have to send away some of your young pieces. But they're pieces that maybe the Brooklyn Nets have been watching closely. Tyrese Maxey, breakout season last season. Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibel, and then, of course, a couple first-rounders you could throw into that deal as well. You would have, in this scenario, KD alongside James Harden, once again, and yep. Joel Embiid. What do you make of a potential KD to Philadelphia swap? Well, if you're the 76ers in your management, it feels so good in their hood tonight. They would actually like that. The big three in Philly now with, uh, you, you just mentioned uh, James Harden, uh, Joel Embiid, and Kevin Durant. I would actually put them as the favorites in the East if that happened. 
over Milwaukee, and I'm still I'm very strong on the Milwaukee Bucks when they're healthy. Um, they added Joe Ingles to their roster as well. They re-signed Bobby Portis um, to a, to a longer deal. So if if Kevin Durant happens to go to the Philadelphia 76ers, they will become my team out of the Eastern Conference to make the finals because we know Joel Embiid is so dominant. We James Harden is not the James Harden we were so accustomed to seeing when he was with the Houston Rockets or the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's not that player anymore, but he's still productive. But then you add Kevin Durant to that, another lethal guy who's arguably one of the best players, not one of the best players in the in the, in, the, in, in basketball, but arguably – uh, one of the greatest guys that we ever seen shoot the basketball and score the basketball in NBA history, especially at his size. Uh, I, I think that, that, that would be a match made in heaven, and they actually do. You mentioned Tyrese Maxey. I would even throw Shake Milton in that equation or a guy, DeAnthony uh, Melton, who they just uh, acquired, um, uh, got from, uh, I'll say, the Memphis Grizzlies. So, they have some pieces. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of uh, how it would work, and you still have P.J. Tucker, a guy who Kevin Durant is close with. Uh, we know that relationship. We've seen those two guys play against each other two years ago in the playoffs, and they, they were going back and forth. And Mama Durant say, listen, these two guys love one another, and they actually came out and said that. But when it's all said and done, I don't, I don't believe he would end up with the 76ers, but if he did, they would be my team to come out of the Eastern Conference. Daryl Moore is hungry for it, right? I mean, he's hungry mm-hmm. for win now. And you just mentioned that PJ Tucker deal. Uh, certainly Tucker makes that team a little bit uh, tougher, I would say. And as a Miami Heat fan, like I was sad to see Tucker go, except for I was fine with not handing him the three years and that money at the 37 years old. But that just shows the commitment to the 76ers trying to capitalize on the now. And of course you capitalize on the now because Joel Embiid is playing at the height of his game, you know, runner up the last two seasons back to back for the MVP award. He may darn well win it this next season. And I don't know what James Harden has left. I do think it'll probably look a little bit better this season than it did last and if there was any legitimacy to that hamstring still bothering him. So maybe James Harden takes a bit of a step. I don't he's never going to be in my eyes. I don't think he's going to be Houston James Harden again suddenly, but he could be a little bit better than what we saw. I just you're decimating your depth if you're getting rid of, you know, all those young, uh, brighter star, the supporting cast around Embiid and Harden, then you are decimating your depth. But in order to get KD, probably anybody's going to be taking a hit when it comes to their depth. I don't know. Does KD want to reunite? with James Harden like I don't know where that relationship is it seems like Katie and Kyrie are really close and still remain really close reportedly even after everything that's gone down James Harden seemed like he wanted nowhere near that situation by the end of his tenure there so I don't know where the relationship is between James Harden and Kevin Durant and so that matters when you're having this conversation just Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons, like one of like them teaming up, is that work for the Nets? I don't know. I don't even know what Ben Simmons looks like. So there, there's a lot to unpack because of the previous relationships between some of these guys. But certainly, just on paper, it looks good uh, from the Philadelphia 76ers perspective. And money wise, I don't I don't know how it would work money wise too. That's why I don't know. Well, the, and don't forget, James Harden opted out to give them more flexibility, flexibility. the way he structured that deal. But uh, yeah, there's there's also that consideration because Kevin Durant, you got to make the money 
money work. There's not flexibility there. Mm-hmm. He's got the four years left on his deal as it's structured. Let's talk about the Boston Celtics for a second because that's another team yep. that we haven't gotten to. Another like rich get richer kind of idea, which, listen, all these teams that are realistic destinations, and I'm not saying the Celtics are realistic destination, but all these teams that are realistic destinations for KD, you saw it in the list he gave the Nets. He gave two teams. They were the two one seeds in each conference last season, right? Like that mm-hmm. man wants to go to a good team. I'm not saying he needs to go to the Warriors that just won a championship or a 72 win team, but he needs to go to a team that he thinks could be a viable contender with his presence. The Nets don't have to send him there. The Nets could do something crazy like send him to OKC and take a billion draft picks back uh, in exchange for it. But <laughs> let's be real. They're probably going to give some sort of deference to Kevin Durant's wishes because that's what you do in this league. And that's the kind of power these players have. So the Boston Celtics, the problem is they'd have to kind of decimate it, right? Like they'd have mm-hmm. to get rid of, they'd probably have Jaylen to Brown. include Jalen Brown yep. and they'd probably have to include Marcus Smart. And then you'd have to throw in, you know, like a Pritchard or a, a Grant Williams and a couple first round picks as well. So is that team great without Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart? If that's what you were required in order to get Kevin. So you basically have KD and Tatum. That's basically what you have. And you're talking about a team that just made the NBA finals and uh, they came up short, but We've seen what they were able to do defensively, what they were able to do throughout the playoffs in all three series. Now, it kind of got a little lackluster a little bit in the NBA Finals, but a lot of teams look like that against the Golden State Warriors. But if you're a management for the Boston Celtics, you say to yourself, okay, are we willing to give up the house for Kevin Durant and we just made the NBA Finals? Um, I, I, I I don't really know the answer to that because Kevin Durant is a special talent and once in, in a lifetime type of type of player. But you do have a nice core group, and you just added Malcolm Brogdon and didn't have to give up hardly anything. So, and here's the thing. I, I can't just necessarily say that the Boston Celtics would make the finals if Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant was added without a Jalen Brown and a Marcus Smart. I can't right, just say that. You have to decimate it so much, yeah. it feels. And, and the thing I don't like from the Celtics side, too, is the age factor. And yep. I'm not concerned about the age factor for most of these teams, but the Celtics, like you said, NBA Finals with a young team, like a 26-year-old Tatum, right, versus what you're signing up for with KD. I, I don't see the Boston Celtics doing it. I, and And – it's a consideration. It's going to be a consideration. Even frankly, when you're talking about the Miami Heat, like the Heat were a shot away from mm-hmm. also getting there. Like they were a shot away if Jimmy Butler just driven to the basket. They were a shot away from getting there. If you're that close to an NBA Finals or you're just in an NBA Finals, are you going to blow it up? The you Miami know, Heat and, needs and change they need course. They need the offense. Hey, listen, if offense. you're the Miami Heat and I'm a Heat girl, you do it. <laughs> listen to me. You do it. Coming up next, you also do this. You listen to Greeny. Happy July 4th, America. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.